0: As Christians, we not only believe in the existence of God, but shouldn't we have a set of beliefs that we have in common about the Lord Jesus Christ? Stick around for this episode of Inverse.
1: Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Inverse.
0: Welcome everyone to Inverse. We are going to be studying the concept of unity. We've been covering unity many, many weeks, but specifically in the realm of belief and and when when it regards to large amounts of people believing the same thing, not so that we have a uniformity, but a unity within God's people. So Siku, can you start us off with a word of prayer?
1: Sure. Loving Father, we thank you that we have your Word to guide us, and we thank you that we can come together as your people to understand who you are from Scripture. We pray that as we study here, your Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts. In Amen. Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, Jared. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter four, verse twelve, please. Okay. Acts chapter twelve,
2: verse four. Four twelve.
3: Four twelve. <laughs> uh, four twelve. There, sorry. sorry nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given
0: among men by which we must be saved so hey Israel first question goes to you Um, shouldn't there be beliefs that that we all hold in common Um, sometimes there is a, a general malaise in Christianity that these are just the people who believe in God and sometimes you find all sorts of crazy beliefs, but shouldn't there be a, a common core of, uh, of beliefs that we have, especially about our Lord and Savior, yeah, founder of our faith, Jesus?
2: So you know, the Bible is, the Bible is many in one. It's mm-hmm. a lot, and it's one at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's made up of various different authors. People lived all over the world. People lived in different generations. It crosses many different, you know, uh, individual elements, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, it is just one philosophical expression of truth. Mm-hmm. And so you have the many and you have the one. And so we're not just uh, Christians as Christians. We are to be people who believe the whole entire system of what Jesus believed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to be a follower of Christ, we need to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus is not just compartmentalized into many different figures. He is one body, one person, one individual, one mm-hmm. mind. One way of thinking.
0: I love that way you said a system, a system of truth. And when you take Bible, the Bible as the basis for that truth, there is even though you have different perspectives, you have these core things that every single person had in common. Siku I
1: to say that people are afraid um, to believe or even say the word doctrine. You know, Mm. because they'll say doctrine divides. That's kind of a, uh, that's a downer word. Right. Like Mm. like how they say, like religion has caused so many wars. They'll say doctrine divides. You have all these different denominations because everybody has different set of doctrines. Mm -hmm. And so you have the Christians who come together and say, well, then let's just worship Jesus Mm -hmm. and forget about the doctrines. Mm -hmm. Um, And the problem becomes that even Jesus... The person of Jesus—that's a doctrine, because yeah. doctrine is just teaching. Yeah, it's the teachings of the Bible. Just so, a
0: belief in some, a certain teaching of a belief, certain belief in some, right. certain certain thing, mm-hmm. a certain speci- specific specification about uh, about God. Yep, yeah. Jared. Yeah, I was just thinking here that when we talk about a unified
3: set of beliefs among Christians, mm-hmm. you know, where where does this happen? You know, there's a tendency to. Um, move away from the great Protestant principle of the Bible and the Bible only Mm -hmm. um, and start incorporating other ideas yep, or the the teachings of men. So what we're saying is I think the ideal and as we've read before in the book of Ephesians, one Lord, one faith, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. One baptism. There should be unity there. But there's constant kind of tension there as... As people have a tendency, sometimes we want to go our own way. We want to unmoor ourselves from the, the anchor of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some tension there in the broader Christian context. Mm-hmm. But certainly, mm-hmm. we should all be called together uh, in some of these core teachings of which Jesus is the center mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's,
2: you know, Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures, and that's mm-hmm. plural. You know, there's many elements of scripture in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it says, but they, plural, are they? but they testify of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you have all these roads ultimately have one thing at their center. And it, it actually, this whole thing reminds me of a story one time. I was pastoring in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And it, this is, you know, the UP is, it's a large area, but it has, it's, the population is very small. And so we went to the UP And I got a phone call one time from one of our church uh, members, uh, parents, and she called me up and she's like, hi, are you the pastor of the church uh, in this city? I said, yeah, that's me. And she's like, well, um, is there another church nearby that is near you? Where's the nearest church? And so I told her, well, the nearest church is about 25 miles away and it's in this city. And she said, good. And I asked her why. And she said, well, um, she's like, my daughter is going to a university up there Uh and she doesn't like she doesn't like you. You know she doesn't like your sermons, she doesn't <laughs> like your church. Oh. And so I said, "Oh man, you got a problem." And she was like, what's that? I was like, well, I'm the pastor of that church, too. And then uh, and then she said, OK, what's the next church? And I said, well, the next church is 45 miles away. And I was like, but the problem is that I'm the pastor of that church, too. And finally, I had to say, look, if your daughter wants to get away from me, it's a two hour drive. And so she you know, we we, we compromised on why don't you go visit my daughter and try to try to be maybe she'll like your personality. Right. And so in, in, in scripture, you can't get away of the centrality of Jesus. All of the Bible is pointing to this one figure. It's Jesus Christ. And in getting to know Jesus, there are so many different components to him. And he's going to lead you to mm-hmm. all these different, this web of truth, this mm-hmm. system of truth. And so when people have a problem, which it's natural for us to have with organized religion because of everything that it's done negatively, we have to realize that the, the, the purpose of doctrine, the purpose of scripture, the purpose of the organization of a systematic theology is to point to the centrality of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's go to Acts chapter 4 and pick up the context of our key key text, which actually feeds into Israel's point. And Jared, can you read verse 8 and, and to 12, which you just read before too?
3: Sure. Starting in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means uh he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, Stone. nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under
0: heaven given among men. By which we must be saved. Yeah, no, thanks for reading that, that key text twice and just got the context here. Peter's preaching, and what importance does he pla- place on Jesus in the role of salvation? I mean, in one way, that's a very superficial question, but another question yeah. that we need to lay that. Founder, literal foundation, Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, in the role of salvation.
2: Israel. Yeah. Well, it, he goes. He goes even beyond salvation. I mean, there's mm-hmm. we, the 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 thought and the subject certainly of this text is that Jesus is the source of salvation. But notice it says Jesus heals, and so Jesus is the source of healing. Uh, Jesus is rejected, and so he's the source of prophecy. Right, uh, that he would be rejected. Jesus is crucified once again he's the source of of, of of prophecy he's also the source of atonement he's mm-hmm. the source the center of the sanctuary um, and 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 he was the chief cornerstone Jesus the foundation of the church mm-hmm. so here you have in, in in just this one doctrine of salvation or of Jesus Christ, you have all these layers of how Jesus cannot be separated and doctrine cannot be separated from itself. Mm -hmm. So it's like, look, it's not just the healing that's important, which this is what you see. But healing is connected to salvation. Salvation is connected to the fact that you rejected him. And in rejecting him, you rejected prophecy. And in rejecting Mm -hmm. prophecy, you rejected the word. And in rejection, now you're in sin. And in sin, there is salvation for you too. And so whenever you enter into this room with Jesus, you have gone into this place that Is overwhelming with so much more complexity than what you once imagined, Mm -hmm. and so it's a
0: full set, yeah, full package.
2: There's a complexity to Jesus, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Jared.
0: What are other some other other components, other 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 uh, part of the system that that Israel was mentioning when it comes to uh, believing Jesus? What are some other teachings that are are core? Um, You're talking
3: about other
0: other teachings. We're staying here in salvation. Other teachings,
3: okay. Um, Second coming, yeah. Right. Um, it reminds me of a verse in uh, John 14.
0: John 14.
3: Jesus promised he would
0: return. And while we're Over waiting there. for John 14, you know, going back to Israel's point, if we don't believe Jesus as the basis of our salvation, then I would question whether they could be called as a uh, as a Christian, a Christian. You know yeah. I mean? They, we're living in a world where people are saying, all I need is a relationship. I don't need the teaching.
1: But the thing is, I mean... It's it's kind of counterproductive because even in human relationships, if you want a relationship with a person, you get to know the person, Mm. right? So you can't have a, otherwise you're having a relationship with yourself Mm because you form your own idea of who this person is. And then you have a relationship with the idea of the person. But if you really want a relationship with a living being, you need to learn about who they are. What Mm -hmm. do they value? What things are important to them? Mm -hmm. What's their life story? Um, What have they done in the past and what are they doing right now? And... All of these things, those are the doctrines about Jesus. This mm-hmm. is, who is Jesus? Where did he come from? What is he doing for me? What, what has he done? And through the Bible, we even have what he's going to do for us in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. One of these future events being the second coming of Jesus. And there's some who, who, who don't believe in the second coming of Jesus. And why, why wouldn't they? And, and would they? I mean, this is something that Jesus said about himself. I mean, some questions. I mean, there's some, there's some disconnect somewhere.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah. John 14 here, uh, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So the words of Jesus here are incredibly direct and clear. And he says, I'm going away, but if I go away, I'm going to come back. Later on, he talks to the disciples uh, and encourages them a little bit in in John 16, a couple chapters later. And he says, because I have gone away, he says, sorrow has filled your hearts. Mm. So I think for every Christian, there should be a longing for this, not just a looking for it, but a longing for this. And that should bring us together.
2: Mm-hmm. The, the, this, is, I, this is one of my favorite Bible texts because it talks about the relational component of the second coming. Mm-hmm. And so the second coming is not just a doctrine. Mm-hmm. Oh, at some point, someone is coming back and there's going to be world peace. You know, th- this is what we have many times in our minds. Like the second coming of Jesus produces world peace. It produces happiness. It produces, you know, uh, uh, a unity and all sorts of things. That's not the, the center of the second coming is. Oh, a re-
0: hold, your, hold your thought there. The center of the second coming is relational. You, when, we, when we come <laughs> back, we're going to hear what Israel has to say.
1: Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion.
0: Hey, welcome back. We're going to go back to Israel here. The center is what?
2: Well, the center of of the second coming is Christ. It's relational, is the point that I was making. Mm -hmm. So in... Um, in John chapter 14, as, as we read it, notice, notice the words that keep on being repeated. Jesus is centering everything around himself, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, you believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I come again, I will receive you to myself Mm -hmm. that where I am. And so there's this, a lot of eyes, Mm -hmm. a lot of eyes. Jesus is like, he's, he's pointing he's centering the whole second coming around himself Mm -hmm. and then the the secondary character to this text is you if it were not so i would have told you Mm. and if i come again i will receive you unto myself and so the the second coming of christ is not so much focusing on the fact that jesus is going to recreate the new world that there's going to be new apple trees and these apple trees Mm -hmm. might not have you know nasty seeds in them or whatever or they're going to be edible seeds it's not about creating this utopia but it's it's the reuniting of a relationship Uh Mm -hmm. the reuniting of a relationship the coming back together of of two people or God and a group of people that love each other Mm -hmm. and need each other and want to be with each other and so so you're on one
0: side perhaps that that they take the relationship put part out mm-hmm. and they just focus on the objective you know, Jesus is coming back and they do all the uh, they do all this preparation and, and calculating but they take the relational part out and there's others who they're all about the relational part and they don't really listen to what Jesus is talking about himself about yeah so it's all about me and Jesus me and Jesus and Jesus I'm coming back well that's that's doctrine so it's mm-hmm. like, you have these two extremes here yeah yeah And yeah, are taking this next level Jesus was not talking to one person
3: either, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right he was talking to a collective of his disciples and mm-hmm. I feel like we have a tendency to isolate sometimes and say this is just about my relationship with yes. Jesus and yes. Jesus is speaking just to me yes. and there are plenty of hymns that have been written you know that I come to the garden alone and no and one else you know, can come. It's just me. It's and, and Jesus. Just me and, Jesus. And, and I'm not saying that there mm. isn't that level of intimacy. Sure. But Jesus is speaking the you here that, that Israel is talking about is the collective Plural. you. Mm-hmm. He's talking not not to one individual, mm. but he's talking to us. So again, you have the corporate experience, the corporate longing, and the corporate working for mm-hmm. uh, and looking for the return of Jesus mm-hmm. together. Siku?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm backtracking from your your expounded point um, back to what Israel is talking about. Um, this that when Jesus is speaking here, the relational aspect, he's responding to a concern that Peter brought up. Because Jesus had mentioned in chapter 13, um, and the chapters are, are kind of arbitrary. Like this is a flow of a conversation. Yeah. And in chapter 13, um, he talked about that he's going to go away. And where I'm going, you cannot come. Mm-hmm. And this results in, in, in apprehension. right? So Peter asks him in verse 36 of chapter 13, Lord, where are you going? And if, if that doesn't speak about a relationship, like this is, we're talking, yeah. he's talking to Jesus and, and he's like, I'm going to go and you can't come where I'm going. He's like, where are you going? I want right. to come too. Right. And then even in that, Jesus tells him, well, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Then he's saying, Where well, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll come back and I'll get you and we'll be together, mm-hmm. right? But in the mix of all of that, Jesus says, in the meantime, you're going to deny me, right? In verse 38 of chapter 13, mm-hmm. he asks, will you lay down your life for my sake? You want to be with me, but are you willing to even lay down your life for my mm-hmm. sake? And he says, actually, I know that you won't because the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. But in spite of this, Peter, you're saying you love me and you want to be with me. You're going to fail me. But even though you're going to fail me, this is, I love you this much. I'm going to prepare mm-hmm. a place for you. I'm going to come and I'll get you and receive you to myself. So mm-hmm. The second coming is in the context of, of a living, dynamic relationship between Jesus and his followers. And for anyone who claims to love Jesus, I want to be with him, right? Yeah. And he says, even though I know you're going to fail me, this is still my promise to you is that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now the onus is on you. Do you want to be with me mm. ultimately? What
0: I'm really sensing here is there is a two-step uh, connection. We need relation and teaching. Relation and teaching. And two Kind of they grow together yeah. you know we try to grow one without the other and it gets kind of yeah. one-footed
2: and we can't and we can't eliminate out of that out of that just and we can't eliminate the centrality and the necessity of of inserting jesus or allowing jesus to shine from that mm-hmm. even in the second coming uh what you just read siku the the central focus even of the relationship between peter And Jesus is Jesus because Peter will deny him. Mm -hmm. That will that will essentially make void the return of the second coming of Christ for Peter. But the centrality even of that relationship of that broken relationship is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for example, right now, you know, we're here filming this show. I'm away from my kids. My kids want me to be home. Mm -hmm. They want me to be home with them. And if I call them, they're going to want me to be home with them. But they're not the ones that are calling me. I'm the one that is calling them. Mm. And so the issue is that as much as my kids want to see me, they do not want to see me more than I want to see them. Mm. And so really, Jesus... Is the focus of the second coming in because, yeah, we want Jesus to come. We want Jesus to come so bad, especially when we're having a bad time. Yeah. But even in our worst situations or even in our most desperate plea for wanting Jesus to come, mm-hmm. it is not more desperate than Jesus desire mm-hmm. to right. come. And so the right. second coming of Jesus is really the second coming of. Jesus.
0: Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. In connection with with the second advent, second coming, I'm thinking one other belief that but another belief that we have is that what if Jesus is gone and he's coming back, where did he go? And what's taking so long and what's he doing there? And there's some people who say, Hey, that's not important. And but I would say I kinda have questions like Simon Peter, like, Lord where where are you going and what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I, I just I love the teachings of the heavenly sanctuary. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, is probably where the clearest um, Bible verses are. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary. And of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. And really, the entire book of Hebrews is, is expositing on what Jesus is doing. And the entire Old Testament, not entire, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy give more details on what a high priest does. Now, many people say, hey, we don't do that anymore. And we don't do that anymore because Jesus is doing that mm-hmm. uh, in heaven. And, uh, and I think that we, we really need to be united on this belief on the heavenly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Jared? Yeah, well, I was just thinking, there are some people who still do this,
3: and mm. there are earthly priesthoods who do really what sure. the Bible points to Jesus doing in heaven, sure. and that's doing a work of of mediation on mm-hmm. behalf of us and our salvation. He's not just the deity who came down to live among us. He's also the the, the humanity of us that represents us before the Father in mm-hmm. heaven and pleads his blood and our case mm-hmm. before the Father. Mm-hmm. Right. And
1: and what Jesus what Jesus is doing for us on our behalf in heaven gives us the opportunity to actually come together and be united. Because if it's sin and selfishness that separates us, then Jesus' mediation and the work he's doing on our behalf gives us the chance to actually, you know, be rid of the sin in our lives and come together as brothers and sisters. I think of Hebrews chapter 4, since we're in the book of Hebrews. Four. Um, yes, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse... Uh, 14 from verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god Let us hold fast our confession and then he's this beautiful promise We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity Mm -hmm. But he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin Mm -hmm. And that's why because of who jesus is and what he is doing in heaven Mm -hmm. We can come boldly before the throne of God Mm -hmm. and find grace to help in our time of need Mm -hmm. so what jesus Not just what Jesus did back then, but what Jesus is doing currently gives us boldness. Now, as we as we struggle through the sinful world, I have hope that I can be reconciled with my brother or my sister because of what Christ is doing right now for me in the heavenly sanctuary.
2: It's, you know, getting acquainted with Christ, the complexity of Jesus, what you were sharing. It reminds me of a story that I read once about a about a she was writing as a little girl, but she's now a grown woman about her father. And she's like, my dad loves me so much. And she talks about all the very different things that her dad does for her. My dad takes me out to play. My dad feeds me. My dad spends all this time with me. And then she says, my dad loves me so much that every single time he signs his name, he lets the world know that he loves me by putting MD, my daddy, you know? <laughs> and so she's, she, as a little girl, she thought this. And so she has this relationship with her father But this relationship is much more complex than it appears. You know, she's like, oh, he's he's telling the world that he's my daddy. No, I'm telling the world that I have the ability to heal. Right. And so the relationship with Christ is very complex because Jesus is my daddy, right? He is the guy. He is the doctor. He is out there doing all this work that is way beyond Mm. who I am. And so a lot of times people confuse Jesus. They think he's a builder. They think right now he's in heaven building a house for me. And when he's done, he's going to come back. Mm. Not knowing that Jesus is actually a lawyer. He's interceding on our behalf. Mm. And the reason why... Lawyer, judge, priest, priest, everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and it goes to what Jared was saying about, about earthly priests he says to Peter, you can't come with me. Mm. Uh, I'm going to try. You can't come with me to be a priest. You're not, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. You're not fit to do that. I have to do that on my own. And so in knowing and understanding who Jesus Christ is, it eliminates, the doctrine eliminates humanity of, in the process of mm-hmm. high priestly ministry in terms of providing Salvation from Mm -hmm. human to human. Mm -hmm. Mm Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Siku, what is another belief that's found in scripture that's pretty universally, we we find it all throughout every age of Christianity that we should be united upon?
1: Uh, Many. (laughs) Many. (laughs) (laughs) uh, One of of the ones that's beautiful to me, if we're talking in the context of unity, is the Sabbath, Mm. the teaching about the Sabbath. Um, And I'll say, generally speaking, I love it in the context of unity because Sabbath is time and relationships happen in time. Mm-hmm. Sabbath becomes this time that is set apart for communion with God to build relationship. And then he also, a text that we can't read through all of Isaiah chapter 58, you know, for time. But in Isaiah chapter 58, he <laughs> talks about, you know, the Sabbath and, and that the Sabbath is a day to spend with God. But you look at the, in, the context that it comes in, it's talking about ministering to other people taking care of people who are who are in who are poor people who are less fortunate than we are and then in that context it brings in the sabbath the sabbath is a day to spend with god it's mm. not looking to myself and my own interests and so sabbath as a as a memorial set in time becomes this thing that can unite us with our fellow man mm-hmm. in as much as it also unites us with God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Emma. that connection. And just before we go to Jared, like you're mentioning that, you know, in this belief that Jesus being in strength eliminates the role of man in the role in the plan of salvation. Sabbath is a pure symbol of that, where man is supposed to rest. Man should not work, mm-hmm. uh, not as a law, where like, oh, I can't work. But Hey, humanity, you don't play a role in salvation, right. and this is the this is the this is the message of grace. Yeah, your works can do nothing to save you, mm-hmm. and I believe it's awesome to have one day of worship to typify that. It's just an, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's awesome. Sure. Yeah.
3: yeah. Just thinking here, and I love what you said, Siku, in the context of God giving the Sabbath in Genesis chapter two. Mm-hmm. It says, "Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished." And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. It's all about him. You see that he did this, he did this, he rested, he worked. Adam is not resting from his works on the seventh day, mm-hmm. right? Because he was created on the sixth day. Mm-hmm. But God invites him into that rest. Mm-hmm. And again, Adam is not alone in this experience, right? Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve are together and they're entering into this experience corporately because it's corporate rest. Mm-hmm. Individual experience is important. But in the Sabbath, the whole human family is invited to acknowledge God's creative authority and the rest that he provides in what in uh, in
0: what he has done for us and not we for for ourselves awesome. and we've talked a lot about different roles of Jesus as creator as the one who's coming back as high priest and as you can see doctrine is not some long list of bible texts that the church has voted but they're all focused on the person of Jesus hopefully you've been blessed by this study I know I have my panelists have been as well Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse.
1: You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Daco, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Until next time, this is Inverse.